Let's listen to this God who, um, who's been working so much in our lives. In Romans chapter 8, um, as you flip to Romans chapter 8, a lot of what we've been sharing here is just the, uh, the reality of being sons and daughters of a really, really good father. The fact that we are sons and daughters of the father. That's why we have all these good gifts. That's why we're able to come and sit shoulder to shoulder and weep together and laugh together and clap together because we're siblings. And it's beautiful. And it's amazing to be sons and daughters of God. So basically, as you're finding Romans chapter 8, the basic line of thinking here that we've been thinking about, God bought you. When you became a Christian, when something switched in your heart and you believed in Jesus Christ to be your Savior and you acknowledged his authority over your life, it's as though God bought you, like at a slave market. Have you been to Charleston, South Carolina, where the old slave markets were? It's like we were there as a slave, a slave to the do's and don'ts, the rules, the law, a slave to external rules. That was our master, and it's like God bought us from that slave market. And he didn't buy us to make us a slave for him. He bought us to adopt us as his children, to save us from that, you know, by our flesh trying to live life and try to do good and trying to do right. It's like he bought us to adopt us as his sons. So when he bought us, he gave us everything we need to live this life as sons and daughters in the person of the Holy Spirit. So it's like he bought us and then he gave us this gift, the Holy Spirit, who the Bible teaches lives inside of you and cries out from within you to the Father. Now, it's kind of mind-bending, but in reality, it's a supernatural thing to be able to live like a child of God. It's a supernatural thing to be able to look to God and cry out to him as Father. And he enables it through his Holy Spirit that lives in you. So it's like he bought you, he gives you the Holy Spirit, almost like getting an orphan off the street who's dirty and starving and hungry and malnourished and cleaning you up and giving you a new wardrobe and your own room and a full tummy. He filled you with everything you need when he gave you the Holy Spirit to be his son and his daughter. So now you're not a slave anymore. You're a son and daughter of God, the Father. And since you're a son of the Father, you're also an heir. And that's what today's passage focuses on. So I want to read just this whole, this whole portion, actually, that we've been dealing with, which is Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. If you're able, would you stand and uh, honor the reading of God's word? Romans 12, I'm sorry, Romans 8, verses 12 through 17. This is God's word. Paul writes, So then, brothers, remember he's writing to Christians, So then, brothers, we are debtors, or enslaved, not to the flesh. That part of you that, that is susceptible to sin and that loves the world, we're not slaves to that anymore. We're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God 
and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We're so grateful that we have God's word to study. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So, heirs, before people die, they decide who's going to get their stuff after they die. That's who, the person who gets the stuff is an heir. That's what an heir is. Some of you have been heirs. Some of you have received an inheritance from your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents. Some of you already have your will made out and you know who's going to receive your stuff. Who's going to be your heir when you die? What, what are you going to pass on when, when you pass away? And who are you going to give it to? That person will be your heir. Some of you um, are expecting an inheritance at some point. So we know we have an experience with this concept of being an heir. Uh, I know an older gentleman who passed away recently. He didn't have any biological children. He had married uh, a divorced woman late in life. And he never had biological children, but he got to know his wife's kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. So when he passed away, he left his uh, collection of old cast-iron cars to his wife's great-grandson. So that was his inheritance, his heir. He chose someone that was not his biological son. Um, So what will you leave? Have you ever heard of a man named Carlos Slim Helu or Elu? I'd never heard of him either. But he's the richest man in the world. In the last two years, he has skyrocketed past Bill Gates to become the richest man in the world. He's, he lives in Mexico, and he's worth $74 billion. That's about $18 billion more than Bill Gates is worth. Those figures are as of, I think, March 2011. Is my mic doing funny things? Okay, good. Every once in a while, it sounds funny to me, so I worry that it sounds funny to you. $74 billion. So to give you an idea of the scope of that, let's say you have a savings account and you have $1,000 in it. Now picture 1,000 of those savings accounts brought together in one big savings account. That's a million dollars. Now picture 1,000 of those big savings accounts in one giant savings account. That's a billion dollars. Now picture 74 of those giant savings accounts. That's $74 billion. That's what Slim, I'll call him, is worth. Now, Slim is 71 years old this year. He has six kids. You know, he's 71, so probably within the next three decades, he'll most likely die. What's going to become of that $74 billion? Probably it will go to his children, his heirs. Works out to be, I think, something like $12 billion each. Now, kids or young people who are here with your parents, as you're eating lunch with your parents today, ask them, what am I going to inherit? They'll love it. They'll love that conversation. The richer your parent, the richer your inheritance is going to be. The richer your parent, the richer your inheritance is going to be, if they choose to give it to you. I'm not making any assumptions there. So Christian... Those of you who are in Jesus Christ, changed by Jesus Christ, followers, believers in Jesus Christ, you are an heir of God. It's like Slim, Carlos Slim, since I don't know how to pronounce his last name, we'll call him Carlos Slim. It's like he adopted you 
And now you are joint heirs with his kids. So what do we inherit? What do we inherit being heirs of God, fellow heirs with Jesus Christ? Psalm 70, I'm sorry, Psalm uh, 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So if, if an inheritance is the stuff that we leave once we die, what's God's stuff? Well, it's everything. It's the stars, it's the, the grains of sand at the beach, it's all the people of the earth who have ever lived, it's all the things that those people have built. So it's the students that go to school with you, and it's the school itself. It's your co-workers, and it's your business that you're working in. It's everything. It's the United States of America, and it's President Obama. It's, uh, it's everything. So is that our inheritance? Is that what we, we are heirs to? Well, not exactly. Let's go back to the, to the text. Look at the verse, what it actually says. Look at verse 17. Well, let's read 16 and 17. Verse 16 says in Romans chapter 8, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Remember, it's a supernatural thing to be confident that you are God's son or daughter. The Holy Spirit in us bears witness to that truth with our spirit. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of what? God. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Our inheritance isn't primarily stuff. It's primarily God himself. We don't primarily inherit stuff, streets of gold, mansions upon mansions. Primarily, our inheritance as Christians is God himself. So my job now is to help us to feel how significant that is for our reality now. Because that's a big, otherworldly, spiritual claim to make, isn't it? It's hard to feel the tangible reality of that here. It says we are heirs with Christ. So what Christ receives, we'll receive. And what will Christ receive? Eternity at the right hand of the Father. We're joint heirs with him. When God looks at you, he sees a son just like he sees Jesus. Joint heirs with Christ. Heirs of God. You know, stuff without God is not heaven. It's hell. I've told you this a billion times, but I just, it, really, it really clarifies the point to me. I once asked a group of young people, describe heaven. You know, think back biblically or what you know about heaven. Describe what heaven's going to be like. And they listed all kinds of things. It was a long discussion. But you know what was missing? Maybe I should say, do you know who was missing? God. Their heaven didn't include God at all. You know, they, they love the idea of the streets of gold and the mansions and the health and the new bodies and, and all the newness. But God was not even an afterthought. It just wasn't even a thought. But getting all that stuff without God, that's not heaven. That's hell. Hell is existence apart from without God. In fact, 
If your vision of heaven does not include God, it is a big red flag about your heart and your salvation. Because when we're saved, we're given new hearts that see and appreciate God the Father for who he is and that love him. What's the, what's the greatest commandment? You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. This whole thing is moving us toward our union with God. Not our, you know, healing us and the physical health. and Those things come, but that's very secondary. Those are side dish items. Heirs, those of you who have received an inheritance already from your parents, let's just say it's from your parents, wouldn't you give all of that inheritance back if you could have your parents back? To see them, you know, drive with them in their car, to share your meals with them again, to be present with them again. I mean, really, the inheritance is nice. It's good, you know, and we all want to leave an inheritance to our kids. But the ultimate inheritance would be to leave ourselves to our kids. The stuff is meaningless without its connection to our parents. So we're not primarily heirs of stuff, we're heirs of God himself. Because he, God, the Father, he's the only Father who can give himself as an inheritance. Because he's not going to die. So we inherit God himself. Now I want you to pause and just absorb this bizarre reality. Is this not a bizarre reality? Like if you go to your workplace and try to explain this to somebody who is not a Christian... Will they not think that you're crazy? But there's nothing more bizarre than death. I've never been around death like I have since I became a pastor. And I know some of you have experienced it much more closely than you ever wanted to. Death is the most bizarre reality of life, I think. That it's just going to end. For all of us, if Christ doesn't return first. So just because it's bizarre does not mean it's not true. So what does being an heir of God look like on the day of inheritance? To try to put some clarity to this. We're going to jump out of Romans to the book of Revelation. Because John paints a beautiful picture of this in Revelation chapter 21. And we're just going to walk through this glimpse of what our inheritance is going to look like as Christians. And then that's it. It's a simple sermon today, I think. Revelation chapter 21. I'll just read it and then we'll walk through it together. Revelation chapter 21, near the back of your Bible. John writes, Then I saw, he's receiving a vision of what's to come. And he's describing it and he writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I mean, we could spend a lot of time just in those two verses trying to figure that out. But let's keep moving. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The dwelling place of God is with man. Haven't you ever wished that God would just be here with us tangibly? You know, we're supposed to follow him and 
talk to him and pray to him. But he's not here. He's not flesh and blood here with us. It's so hard. I've had some of you express that to me. Why can't it just be where he's here? And I realized studying this passage that that's what heaven is. Well, he will be here. That's our inheritance as Christians. The dwelling place of God where he lives is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will wipe the tears away. We've had tears already just in this service. Tears of joy and and gladness, I think. But, you know, I've had tears in my office during counseling sessions and at funeral homes. And, you know, you do your best to comfort and to wipe those tears away. But the best that we can do for each other is temporary. Temporarily wiping tears away for each other. But one day, God will permanently wipe away the tears himself. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. The former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage or inheritance. And I will be his God and he will be my son. What a glorious reality. It's like the ultimate Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Do you watch that show? Have you seen Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Have there ever been other editions? I've only known of Extreme Makeover Home Edition. This is like Extreme Makeover Creation Edition or Reality Edition. If you watch that show, for those of you who don't watch it, I'll explain it to you. Uh, There's a guy named Ty something. Ty. He's a carpenter and he used to be on another show. And now he's got his own show where the producers find a family that is in need. And they're usually an awesome family that does things to serve the poor or they have a lot of... uh, setbacks financially and physically, and they're living in a, a dump, a house that's decayed and rotting and falling in. So Ty comes with his crew and, and uh, probably a million people behind the scenes that you never see on TV, and they just they take the family away and they destroy that house and they rebuild a new, beautiful, amazing mansion. And then they bring the family back and everybody in the community is there cheering and there's a bus in the way and he says, move that bus. And they move the bus, and the family just freaks out when they see their new house. And everybody's crying already, and they hadn't even gone through the door. So then they take them on the tour, and they go in, and they show them room by room, this amazing house, specifically tailored to this family. And everybody's weeping on TV. Guys watching with their wives are trying not to cry because they're, they're men, and they shouldn't cry at things like the stupid reality TV show. And the, Each step, each room, it gets better and better and more amazing. You can't believe they did this for this family. And they go upstairs, and and there's always one special room that uh, I think Ty usually does. And that's the final one. You have to wait through a commercial break to see the special reveal of of the last room. That's sort of what this feels like, an unfolding of this 
ridiculous. I mean, you see the family on, that, on TV, and they can't even take it in, and that's almost what this feels like. You can't even take this in. And then the final room, you see God on his throne looking at you like his son. And you're going to be with him forever. And this means that it means a lot of things. For one, it means that of all possible inheritances that you could give your sons, daughters, grandkids, great-grandkids, there is no inheritance more important than that they see Jesus for who he is, give their lives to Jesus, and are adopted by God the Father. You know, some of you, you know, you're no Carlos Slim Helu or whatever his last name is. As I ask that question, you're shifting in your seat because you're like, man, this economy has just wiped me out. If I leave anything, it's going to be debt. But if you can leave this inheritance for your kids, if you can lead them to God the Father, to be adopted through Jesus Christ, you've given them everything. And if Slim's six kids get their $12 billion each, but they don't get this, they will walk into eternity with nothing forever. They will have lost everything. There is nothing more important than this. This means also that the glory to come for us far outweighs the suffering and pain of today. And I know some of the pain and suffering that you folks are dealing with. Physically, financially, familially. And I'm saying that boldly, unapologetically. The pain you're dealing with today is insignificant compared to the glory that you will inherit. And that's what Paul says as he continues on. He says in verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's not even worth even talking about. And we're going to talk a lot more about that next week as we go on into that section. He says at the end of our section today, you know, all this is yours provided that we suffer with Jesus. So suffering is not just a part of life. It seems to be a necessary part. But we're going to talk about that next week. And I hope you'll come back, especially those of you who are suffering. But for now, based on this truth, hang on. Don't give up. Don't despair. All these things that hurt you today are going to be one day in that category that we saw in Revelation of the former things. Whatever it is, I don't know what yours, yours is maybe, but it's, it's anxiety, it's depression, it's physical pain, it's family turmoil, it's impossible situations that you cannot figure out how you're going to wriggle out of. It's, one day you'll look back and all those things will be the former things, like your infancy. Or maybe even like your time in the womb. That was the former thing. So you don't even remember that. And that's what all this pain is going to be like one day. So don't give up. Hang on. Don't despair. God has bought you, Christians. He's freed you from slavery to be his son. He adopted you. He gave you the Holy Spirit so that you could live this new life of sonship. And since you're a son, you're an heir. And you'll receive God himself. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you again for this group of Christians, this group of people um, that you've assembled here as Doolins grow. Thank you for your word. Thank you for paying the price of Jesus Christ to purchase us and adopt us and clean us up and fill us with the Holy Spirit and change us and give us life and an inheritance. Thank you that we inherit you and not just a bunch of stuff. Lord, may we live in light of this. May we see the hope on the other side of the pain. May it give us new strength, fresh endurance. May those who are in here who know that they have not experienced this adoption, who know that they've been holding out, trusting in themselves, um, being the Lord of their own lives, that you would do a work in their hearts so that they give their lives over to Christ, so that they too can be sons or daughters of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.